Welcome back to History List. The notion that money is the most important thing in the world does not start with Smith. Surely King's coffers for centuries had led to similar conclusions made by treasurers with furrowed brows, just as merchants and pirates of the Mediterranean or Indian Ocean had presumably dedicated their lives in such a fashion to the making and hoarding of wealth based on a similar outlook regarding money's true import. Smith, though, puts money forth not just as something very important, but truly as the means of understanding why the world works the way it does, and this was radical, arguing through hundreds of pages of accounts that money makes the world go round. Not, mind you, ideologies, philosophies, and religions. Or rather that these forces think about, deal with, and are subject to money, just like everything else. Published in 1776, The Wealth of Nations is the bedrock of what is known as classical economics. This field is interested in trade, markets, labor, the main economic interests of an era of empires and Atlantic trade. Smith argues, unlike the pirates, merchants, and kings, that wealth comes from the act of trade itself, rather than stockpiles of gold and filthy lucre. It was a brave new world Smith was writing about, with stock markets, investment capital, tariffs, and trade negotiations. The dominant theory of the time, mercantilism, argued that gold and silver was the most important thing. In actuality, the economic world we've inherited is not so different now as it was then. The very idea of capitalism, arguing that capital, money you can invest, drives the most productive economic systems, is certainly the largely unchallenged economic premise entering the 21st century. Even many socialists these days argue what sort of capitalism to adhere to, not whether to abandon the system completely. The motivation behind all of this, unfortunately, is self-interest. By allowing people to be selfish so-and-sos, you make sure money finds its way naturally to things valued by people. This turned out to be a rather disastrous theory in the century that followed. By 1876, in America, the country which took most keenly to this ideology, Cornelius Vanderbilt was the richest citizen, with a worth of approximately $105 million, or in 2015 money, $2.3 billion. This wealth was inherited by his son. In fact, the Vanderbilts were the richest Americans from 1870 to 1900. This gilded age of tycoons and robber barons, incredible wealth in the hands of very few private citizens, was a direct outcome of Smith's selfish system. Today, of course, the wealth and influence of the few is even more disproportionate than even those staggering disparities a century and a half ago. The power of money and capital to shape and change the world has become writ in ever greater letters across history. 
Adam Smith was born in 1723, died in 1790, and was Scottish. His early teaching career focused on logic and morals, and not economics. Yet from these, his economic theories began to develop, for his morality was one based on empathy and the interaction of persons and society. From here, he began to be interested in how we interact in terms of trade and labor. While traveling abroad, he encountered the first rumblings of the laissez-faire ideas that would show up in his magnum opus. The preeminent mercantilism of the era had, by contrast, suggested heavy government control in economic matters. By today's vocabulary, Smith's economic views are conservative due to the free nature of the markets he proposed. But this is an oversimplification. Most famously, perhaps, from the whole work comes his notion, still debated to this day, of the guiding invisible hand that ensures markets don't get out of control. Today's economic liberals deride the metaphysical smelling notion, and conservatives have replaced it with the phrase faith in markets. That unregulated markets have, in the 20th and 21st centuries, caused such disasters in the global economy would give Smith pause. Major economists have refined his main ideas in the centuries to follow, including fellow Scotsman Charles Mackay's account of stock bubbles and Englishman John Maynard Keynes' advocation of capitalism with a safety net in the 1930s. By the mid-20th century, complex ideas, like game theory, were creating ever more refined economic models. As for Smith, his great economic tome was a bestseller, and he essentially retired comfortably with a series of appointments and honors, for example, serving as the rector of the University of Glasgow. In our next episode, the last of the great European explorers, James Cook, on History List.